We're here today with Carice Busby from Caliber. And I love always meeting with Carice because she's so um, articulate about the market. She knows exactly what's going on. And um, how, how many years have you been uh, in the industry? I, I I grew up in the industry 23 oh. years. Crazy. <laughs> so and it was second and generation. Father, yeah, and your father was also in the industry too, right? Yeah, he was in the business 40 years. So I grew up coming to the office and just always heard the lingo at home and just fell in love with the industry at an early age. Yeah. Well, um, I always love referring clients to you and like, and you have the pulse kind of on the market and the industry, like I said. Um, So thank you for taking your time to kind of share your knowledge here about just really what's going on. What are the trends that we're seeing? Um, Some, you know, buyer tips because it's pretty competitive out there still. Um, And just kind of an overview of, of the state of, of the market. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's always a pleasure to come on and talk with you. And and I just always love working with you too. I find that you've got such a great pulse of exactly what's happening in this market. And gosh, we know there's always so many changes to keep up with. So it's good to check in and, and just kind of talk and inform people. So yep. yeah, well, I hope that today the info I've prepared will be really, will be really helpful. And, you know, I've prepared a little slideshow with some talking points and I'll put that up on the screen and we can just kind of talk through there and, and talk through it. So as we kind of look at the market, it's we're in interesting times, as we know. Um, there's a lot going on, a lot of uncertainty. Interest rates are still at historical lows. They kind of popped up beginning of the year, stayed up a little bit till about June, and then came back down. They're still not at the low that they were last December, January, but we're pretty close right off the floor of the lows. Like I would tell people, anybody on the fence, like jump in because we don't know really how long rates are going to remain this low. I mean, I think, you know, definitely into next year until we really start to see any kind of sustained recovery, the Fed is going to continue to support low rates uh, just because the economy can't. It really couldn't take any rates going up. Yeah. You know, some other really important highlights, numbers that are, are eye popping are just looking at the S&P 500. The market is on fire. It was up 21.6% through the end of August. And if you look at it from the time frame of March 23rd last year, when we were just really going into the lockdown of the pandemic to the end of August, it was up 106%. So what that means is there's a lot of money that's been made out there. So people have cash, that's a good thing. Um, The Washington State Housing Price Index for 2021 so far is at 15.83 average appreciation. That is just nuts. And The Federal Reserve, um, they met in in July and, you know, no shocking, no shock here. They decided to just, you know, keep rates unchanged. I tend to think that they're going to do that. That's going to be their policy at least into really next year until we get a handle on where things are going. Um, Just kind of market highlights. So Freddie Mac reports the week in uh, the week in review at the end of a Friday. So they don't have the 9, 10 rates available, but things haven't really changed much since last week. So 
if we look at just the Freddie Mac conforming loan amount, uh, these are conforming loans, which by definition mean loan amounts 548,250 or below um, nationwide. So, you know, keep in mind, everybody's scenario is a little bit different. There's a lot of factors that go into determining exactly what somebody's individual rate is going to be because it's not a one size fits all. But just on a high level, the 30 year fixed, um, the average was 2.87. The 15 year average was 2.18 and a five one arm was right around 2.4. Crazy, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Low money. So. Yeah. Um, You know, we had talked a little earlier about just challenges that um, we were seeing, and and I've kind of updated that. And many of them have stayed the same. Some have changed a little bit. I would say this year, um, the economy obviously continues to depend really on the course of the virus. Um, And we're just kind of in a holding pattern to see where that continues to go. Inflation is a big change since we last spoke. Inflation has gone up and has risen. And, you know, the thing about inflation is it just causes everything to be more expensive. So household costs and expenses, especially groceries, you know, have become more expensive. Mm -hmm. And it does tend to be a little bit more regionally. Um, You know, this area, for whatever reason, has been hit a little bit more than other areas of the country. For sure. Um, I mean, I think that, that that's a huge thing. I and mean, we are seeing it all over the country, but I think here um, prices are across the board in every industry. I mean, even this is a silly example, but even um, let's say Chinese food <laughs> for like ordering off of Postmates, right? I noticed actually that there was a hike of $10 within just like one week all across the board from all the different restaurants. Um, and that's just like, you know, one obviously construction costs and, and, you know, materials and all that stuff have went up too, but that was kind of a funny little, like, geez, it's insane. Groceries. Yeah. The cost of a gallon of milk, um, bread, just even those products that are just household staples. And the thing is, that's one we really want to watch over the coming months because inflation directly impacts people and it affects their confidence. Mm-hmm. So if we have to watch kind of where that consumer confidence goes, because that determines people's buying decisions, I'm going to be watching really closely to retail sales because there's going to be a lot of items people might buy for the holidays that because of supply chain issues, which is the next thing are either delayed or, maybe hard to get or really expensive to get. And and the supply chain issues are, I mean, they're in so many different things. I mean, with cars, for example, it's so hard to get the chips that go into the computers of cars. So the costs of cars have gone up new and used. Um, You know, tires are more expensive. Just, uh, you know, obviously lumber and building materials have become more expensive. So supply chain issues are still challenges Mm -hmm. that we're just going to have to watch. Um, The other lack of workforce. Um, And that really can be a variety of reasons contributing to that. What's going to be interesting is the unemployment benefits just expired this month. So we'll see if that makes a difference, if that 
brings back some some more people into the workforce. Um, but it's also because of the pandemic, you know, there's businesses that have closed and people are being in positions where they're having to retool their skills into something different too. So we just have to kind of watch that. But if you look at that lack of workforce, supply chain and inflation, it all is like the perfect storm of causing things to be more expensive. Yeah. Um, Low inventory continues to be, um, a, a challenge, um, and complacency, you know, some people still are a little on the stagnant side with the virus. They just kind of take more of a wait and see approach. Um, there are definitely buyers and sellers that have been affected financially by the the coronavirus. Some people have done great. Some people are really affected financially. So, those are still still challenges. But with that, there's always opportunities too. Um, and those are, it, it's looking more and more that there really is this work from home flexibility and people can expand their geography. And I think a lot of companies were trying to come back, but with this new variant, they have now changed their policy and kind of realized that at least for a while, we're going to keep having some of these variants. So they've gone to a work from home until further notice, mm-hmm. which um, I thought it was, it thought it was timely that Microsoft and Amazon both came out with that this week. Yep. So we, it's going to be interesting to see what happens again in the housing market. Um, and if people start looking for bigger places again, yeah, or, or sprawling out too. sprawling out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, for other opportunities, you know, low rates, um, potential tax increase, you know, if Congress ends up passing even one of those two stimulus bills, um, one of the two, you know, well, they're calling it infrastructure, the infrastructure bills that are there. One is already passed the Senate, but it hasn't been taken up in the house yet. There's also another one for three and a half trillion that's still being debated. If any of that passes, it's going, it's going to cause taxes to increase. That's just the only possible way that you're going to be able to pay for it. But the good news with that is that gets people off the fence. You know, it causes people to, you know, need to make changes um, in their lives, like buying real estate, um, you know, so forth stock market continues to be at an all-time high. People have made money. Um, They put that into savings. They are buying property. They're, you know, buying RVs. They're, you know, they're buying in the market, which is good. That helps our economy. Uh, Unemployment benefits ending could bring folks back to work. That's why I put that as an opportunity. Um, Condo market. I can't say enough about that market. That is where there's not as much competition. Like first time home buyers should be looking at condos. It's a great way to get in the market and not have to not have to pay, you know, it's not as competitive. So they can get in the market at a, at a much more affordable price, start getting to reap the rewards of appreciation. Yeah. And actually to just expand on that too. And that's kind of the narrative, I guess, that I've been definitely pumping for the last, you know, 
year, but really, really in the last like six months, because we are yeah. seeing even the downtown core, the market improved significantly. Um, and the pricing, this actually was the first um, month that we saw downtown for uh, area 701, uh, that we saw a price increase um, on the condo, um, condo value for downtown. Um, and really, that's because, you know, you could see right around this time last year, things started to kind of pick up a little bit inventory still was at a high, but it was starting to kind of flush out. Um, and so we'll start seeing actually true numbers of appreciation for the downtown condo market uh, from here on out, basically. And I think that will then start kind of the frenzy. And especially with rising rental rates, people will start to think, oh, no, I should go ahead and purchase. And then that little opportunity will just be gone just like that. So really yeah. buyers that are you know, or renters, first time home buyers, you know, it, right now is the time to kind of get into the condo market for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And there's so many great financing programs for, for condos and mm -hmm. which I've, I've got that I've coming up. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that too. It's um, absolutely trends. The trends have changed a little bit this year. And I thought this is kind of exciting to talk about cryptocurrency that has really now become a household name um we haven't seen the lending world completely um completely welcome it in but there are some programs that um like the fannie mae programs the guidelines actually will allow crypto to be used for down payment and closing costs client just has to be able to show proof that the funds were theirs going into the crypto, meaning we have to just have to show the documentation that the funds were theirs. They weren't borrowed funds. Mm -hmm. You have to show the paper trail. They went into that investment and then the money came out of that investment and went into a US-based bank account. And as long as we can show that documentation trail, it can be used for like a conventional uh, loan, which those loans go up to $776,250. Okay. Still can't use crypto for uh, government type loans like FHA or VA, but definitely on conventional. Um, and, and even in some cases, some jumbo loan programs will allow it. So that's starting to be, that's definitely a new trend. Yeah. Um, you know, first time homebuyers jumping into the market. I've seen more first time homebuyers in 2021 that I remember seeing in probably the last five years, which I think is great. Um, again, you can go minimum down into that market, you know, in the Seattle market, you can go 5% down up to eight, seven, 250 on a conventional type loan. And depending on the income level, and if you are a first time home buyer, meaning you have not owned a home in the last three years, there's even the Washington State Housing Finance Commission bond program that as long as the income is 160,000 or below, you, borrowers may be able to qualify for even zero down through that bond program. Yeah, that's a good so, program. Lots of options. Second home purchases I've noticed are, it seems people are looking closer to home for the second home purchase. They want to be able to to drive to their second home. They want it to be within an hour, two hours if possible. So definitely seeing a trend, um, not, you know, flying homes, second homes you have to fly to. It's, it's a lot more closer to, to primary residence. 
rural and less expensive markets are flourishing. Um, those continue to. We started to see that trend last year, really seeing it this year. I've seen a big up, uptick in job changes. Lots of people moving around, changing jobs. I think the pandemic has caused people, caused people to really reassess their life, their goals, what's important. And so with that has come some job changes that we're seeing. And I think that I think that that will probably continue. There's a lot of gig jobs out there. People are doing gig jobs and we kind of live in a gig economy. Yeah. Um, the nice thing is the guidelines are progressing to factor that into guidelines, which I'm glad that we're starting to see. We're not we're not as where I'd like us to be on that, but we're getting there on, mm -hmm. on seeing those guidelines in the industry as a whole. So so if we go into like, so the buyer tips, um, I'm really excited um, to kind of share these. I think that these are some great ones for, for buyers that want to buy or agents to really have as, as conversational points with, with clients. Um, probably the number one buyer tip is get pre-underwritten. You have to get credit approved and pre-underwritten before they go out home shopping. It's you know, it's so hard when a buyer like falls in love with a house and the review date is like that afternoon or the next day and they don't have their ducks in a row. And, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes it's they could easily get their documentation together. And, you know, we always do the best we possibly can to get it done as quick as possible. But if there's complexity, it just takes longer to go through that process. And so I always tell buyers, get your get everything in order and do that before you start home shopping. So then you're in a position with your agent where you can just jump on that home that you find that you say, I really like, I want to make an offer. Yep. Um, another big thing, hard inquiries do not lower the credit score. This is a common question. Um, when you're applying for a, a mortgage, you're, you're going through the pre-approval process, it is counted. So you can have you can have unlimited hard credit inquiries within a 45-day period in one particular category, like mortgage is a category installment is a category. Like if you're shopping for a car, you have your credit pulled multiple times that that's the installment category. Um, if it's in the installment or the mortgage category, you can have unlimited pulls in a 45 day period. And it counts as one inquiry. It's scored as one inquiry. The reason why the consumer financial protection bureau made that change a few years back is so that buyers were not adversely affected when they're trying to decide and choose what lender they want to work with. And so um, that's really helpful. And a lot of consumers don't realize that. So that's an important one. Yep. I actually didn't know that. So, you know, another tip, get into the market now. There is no real estate bubble. Um, and I actually have a great, um, you know, what I call a real estate report card that um, I will actually kind of share um, that I think is really helpful that I prepared. Perfect. So I, I did this for King County. 
And this is really um, helpful because it gives some really good nuggets. So for anybody that thinks we're in a bubble, for example, people that are concerned we might be in a bubble, we're not. We're definitely not. The biggest difference is between now and 13 years ago when we had the crashes, there is not enough inventory to fulfill demand. That was not the case 13 years ago. When you have more inventory or when you have more demand than more inventory, you are not going to hit a bubble because yeah. um, that's, you know, that, that's, that's what's the driving difference. the market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest statistics I love to look at is in King County in 2021, there's 36.5, it's 36,500 household formations. Now that could be people moved here, people got divorced, people got married. It's new household formations. We only have enough inventory to be able to fulfill a total of 21,014, 21,000 of that. And there's only 15,000 homes that are actually being built. So you can tell from that, that you've got this shortage. Mm -hmm. Even if demand were to fall off, you still don't have enough supply there to be able to keep up with what the demand is like going forward. And if you look at the forecast, and again, this is a forecast, but this particular, um, this is MBS Highway, which is, is in the mortgage industry, sort of the gold standard that a lot of us use, Barry Habib. Um, He's forecasting over the next year, another 9.22% increase in appreciation, home appreciation over a five-year period, 35%. So for example, the median home price in King County is 644.356. If you come over to this area here in year zero, if you bought today, and that forecast is correct. That means that in five years, your home is going to be worth 871620 mm-hmm. That is a lot. So, you know, and, and if we look at the potential renters, you know, there's 922,000 renters in King County. And there's 237,000 who can afford to purchase. So if we're looking at what's available for them to purchase, that's way below what the demand could be. So, you know, this is a helpful, I always like to look at numbers and the statistics because it really kind of tells you, and the biggest demographic is 27 to 35 right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So we're nowhere near a bubble. Is that a free, is that a free report that you're able to look up or just on their yeah. website? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's a report that um, I can, I can brand with my, my realtor partners. Um, yep. I send that out to clients all the time. Um, it's a great report that's really helpful. Um, and it gives great information that buyers can be really helpful for them when they're kind of looking at becoming a house, a home buyer. You know, the other thing I, I kind of hinted at was that zero down up to 776,250. Um, as long as your income limit is 160 or below. Um, but that's powerful. You can technically get in. It's a first mortgage with a 0% interest second mortgage through the Washington State Housing Finance Commission. Um, and those are great loans if people want to get in the market. 
Yeah. So for those, cause sometimes I think people, there's like a, not a stigma, but just like, oh, it's going to be extra paperwork or an extra layer. I, I mean, I'm, you yeah. do them. I've had a couple of clients do them um, yeah. and haven't really seen the process obviously firsthand. Um, yeah. is, it, is it pretty easy or and is that something that you handle or how does that work? So we handle it all. So we work directly with the Washington State Housing Finance Commission for the underwriting piece. So the buyer really doesn't see any, the, it doesn't cause any more work on the buyer's part. The interest rate is priced a little bit higher if you're doing that program, because of course it is zero down, higher loan to value. But if it's a person that doesn't have the down payment or is really limited with their down payment, but wants to get in the market, it's a great way to get into the market because once you're in the market, you've kind of locked your price in on your property. And now you get to benefit from the appreciation um, instead of renting and paying and buying your landlord a house, which is yeah. what you're doing when you're renting. So yeah, no, it, they're easy loans. They're they're handled by us. Um, doesn't cause any more trouble on the buyer side. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, another buyer tip too is with with crypto. I'll always recommend clients if they can season it. What I mean by season, they don't they don't have to. I mean, in certain programs, you don't have to. We can do the documentation, but the documentation is definitely heavy. It's always easier if you can think ahead. Cash out your crypto at least 60 days before you want to go into contract to buy a place. Get it into whatever U.S.-based bank account you have, Bank of America, U.S. Bank, Credit Union, whatever your bank account is. Let it sit in that account for 60 days, and then we don't have to go through the whole documentation trail. So I also recommend that too, like um, some clients may have bank accounts that are outside of the U.S., that's also another good rule of thumb. Again, we can use the, the money when it's outside the U.S. It's just a lot harder to document. So if you can get, get it into your bank account, it just makes the documentation much easier when it's time to go into contract and move ahead. And sometimes the closing got to be quick. So there's not a lot of time in there to maneuver to get the money out from back into the U.S. from from uh, whatever country it might be in. Some countries have restrictions on mm -hmm. when you can take money out oh, of their yeah. banks. Um, that's the same also with gift funds too. You like to see those seasoned, you know, for at least sixty days, right? Well, I mean, it just for gift funds that's a little different. Um, as long as the gift funds are coming out of a US-based bank account, it really doesn't matter because we can have that done after the client goes into contract. We just have proof that the funds came from the donor to escrow. We have them just send it directly to escrow. And so we can, we can prove the paper trail that way. It's obviously easier if it's put into the buyer's account at least 60 days ahead of time because we just don't have to go through that documentation. But the gift funds documentation isn't really that it's pretty easy. We just have to have proof it came from that donor. Got it. Yeah. Big news that was announced about a couple months back was with FHA. FHA, the way they calculate student loan debt, and there's a lot of millennials that are wanting to jump in the market that have student debt. So FHA used to use 1% or whatever the balance is on, it, on a student loan. So let's say you have 
$100,000 student loan. That means we would have to count the payment against your debt to income ratio of $1,000 a month. Hmm. That's the equivalent of about $200,000 of buying power. Yeah. Well, so now we only have to use $500 a month. So that means because they've lowered it now to where they only use a half a percent of whatever the outstanding balance is. So now that means buyers just, that made a difference of $100,000 in buying power. That's great. That's a big deal in this market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And probably the last one, PMI is a buyer's, one of the, one of a buyer's best friends. I hear this all the time from people. I want to avoid that PMI insurance. I said, and I always say, why? It's one of the best tools in the world to help people get into homes that don't have 20% down. That private mortgage insurance on a conventional loan, um, it doesn't stay on the loan forever. It will drop off once you've paid the balance down to where you have the 20% equity in the property. But it's a great way to be able to jump in the market before you have 20% down. Um, and again, lock in your price and buyer gets to benefit from the appreciation. Most people, if they sit out of the market and try to save up 20% down, they can't save fast enough to outpace the appreciation of the market. Yep. And so they just get further behind. So PMI is a great tool. Um, Here's kind of a, I, I did some supporting um, examples for, you know, when I talk about why you get pre-underwritten, here's a great example. So, um, and I'll kind of play this out. So let's say, you know, when the client calls their lender, yeah, I work at Boeing, I make 75 a year, I have 50,000 savings, my credit's excellent. It sounds great, right? Like should be super simple. Then you get the documentation and here's the reality. The clients only work there for six months. They're paid on an hourly basis and the income fluctuates, not enough time in the line of work to qualify the income. Mm -hmm. And by the savings, they mean non-vested retirement and they don't have access to it. And then the credit score 601. <laughs> so that's where, you know, it, it's different the way that a buyer might look at their scenario and the way an underwriter is looking at a scenario. So that's why I always say so important to do your, to do do your home. Yeah. Do your homework up front. Make sure you know where you stand. Exactly. And put in that energy and effort so you can work out a solution. Yes, for yep. sure. Um, I wanted to include some condo tips because so many people are buying condos right now. And these are really common things that come up. Um, financing condos is different than when you're financing single family homes, as we know. The actual condo project itself has to meet certain industry guidelines in order to be considered financeable for regular kind of traditional type financing. And I thought it was important to kind of go over some of the high level things that come up. I'll get calls from agents that will say, hey, um, I've got a buyer that's looking at this condo, but the owner occupancy ratio is only like 50% or 30%. Is that okay? Well, here's the great thing. As long as the buyer is going to occupy that condo as their primary residence, 
or as like a second slash vacation home, then the occupancy ratio doesn't even matter. So it's, that's a helpful one to know. If it's an in, going to be an investment property purchase, like the buyer is buying it to rent out, that's when the occupancy ratio has to be above 50%. Um, the other thing I'll get to is if the client is buying the condo as a primary residence and has at least 10% down, we don't even have to, it's, it's going to be reviewed under what's called a limited review. We don't even have to look at the budget. We don't care what the reserves are. We don't care if they're contributing the industry standard 10% of the revenue to the reserve account. We don't have to look at the budget. That said, if a client's putting less than 10% down, it's a full review and we do have to look at the budget. And the biggest thing on that is making sure that whatever the revenue is that's collected from dues, at least 10% of that has to go into a reserve account. Um, you know, and, and the lender should, um, you know, work closely with, buyers should always work closely with their lender. Um, if a resale certificate is available up front, I always find it helpful to take a look at that because I can browse it and see if there's any kind of red flags before you put the time together to put the offer in. Um, yep. But once the condo package is available, the lender will want to take a look at that and just make sure that um, all of those specifics, um, just take a look at those and make sure there's no problems. Investment properties, if you're less than 25% down, it's always going to be what's called a full condo review. But if you have more than 25% down, in some cases, most cases, you actually get what's called that limited review as well, which that's something new that's come up in the last year. And, you know, we've come a long way because, you know, condos always were, you know, um, a nightmare to get financing for in certain buildings. And when you make changes to certain, you know, um, any policy or rules or you know, your budget or whatever, you know, this is always talked about on how hard it would be for, let's say, a buyer then to to purchase in a building. And so it seems like things are, are relaxing a little bit, um, which is great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love condos. I love condo financing. Um, and I think it's just such a great way to get home buyers into the market too. Yep. It's, it's fantastic. I agree. <laughs> so here's, I, I kind of like this little illustration. Um, this sort of goes more with the PMI. So I'm jumping back a little bit. And, and yes, the date on it's a little outdated, but, but it gives, it highlights what I want to highlight here. This shows the point that I wanted to make about, you don't have to wait to have 20% down. Getting into a house with PMI. So this example is a 400 purchase price with 3% down. $230 a month in, in mortgage insurance. This assumed a Seattle appreciation amount of 12% per year. So house prices going up 12% a year. Um, and, um, you know, national average of, of 6%. So this sort of just highlights jumping into the market with mortgage insurance versus sitting out of the market trying to save for 20% down. 
Like if you were to have jumped into that market just with your net gain, you were we you would have made 21,000 your first year. Second year, you'd go up to 43. And the third, under this example, you'd be at about 68. Had you sat out of the market trying to get to 20% down, you would have foregone $68,000. Yeah. So that's kind of just highlights what how that PMI is powerful for people to be able to get them into the market so that um, you know, they can start really realizing appreciation. Yeah. Don't be, don't be afraid just because you think, you know, you don't have enough down. Yeah. You got to jump in. Exactly. Um, so, so this area, I wanted to cover this one. Um, so kind of tips, um, one of the most common questions in our market is people have to waive appraisal contingencies a lot to compete. That's where you basically are saying to the seller, you know what, regardless of what the purchase price is, regardless of what the appraisal comes in, I'm going to buy this property and I'm going to pay what I'm agreeing to on the contract. So here's an example. I thought we'd go through an example because I think buyers are always happily surprised at what little difference this makes to them. And it's such a powerful waiver to be able to include in an offer. So for this scenario, the house started at a 650 purchase price and it bid it up to 800,000. So now the purchase price is 800,000 for this price, that the, this house that the buyer's gonna pay. Buyer started off wanting to put 80,000 down, 10% down. So that would, if as long as it appraised at 800, that would put their loan amount at 720. So we're assuming borrower has 80,000 for down payment plus 10,000 for closing costs. So they've got 90,000 available. Appraisal comes in at 770. So $30,000 under sales price. Again, not uncommon in this market. Um, so now the borrower is faced with coming in with 10% down and the additional 30,000 for the low appraisal. That's one option. In this option, if they want to make up the difference, they would now have to come in with 120,000. Or what they could do, which I'm going to explain in this, this second option. So this is what the first payment was going to look like. Assuming appraisal came in normal, came in at purchase price, they were going to look at a monthly payment of $39.85. Now, go to the fact that the appraisal came in at $770. The buyer could keep the loan amount the same keep the down payment amount the same, just leave the loan amount there, let the loan to value ratio adjust. So instead of being 720 divided into 800, which gave you 90% loan to value, it's now gonna be 720 divided into 770, which puts you at a loan to value ratio of 93.5. That works. This program will allow a client to wow. put as little as 5% down on this program. Mm -hmm. The only difference, everything stays the same. Their principal and interest stays the same. Taxes stays the same. Insurance on the house stays the same. The only difference is a small adjustment 
to private mortgage insurance because instead of now being at 10% down, they're between they're less than 10% down. Yeah. So the mortgage insurance is a little higher. So the difference that $30,000 low appraisal, all that's going to cost the buyer is an extra $30 a month. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's where, when I talk to buyers and they're getting ready to yeah. make that offer and they're scared about waiving the appraisal, I say, well, let's do, do the math and let me tell you what this would mean. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's it. Okay. That's fine. Let's do it. We really want this house. Is this a, a caliber specific program? No, nope. Nope. Okay. that would apply to really any loan out there. Wow. Um, as long as, you know, the buyers at least has the minimum down payment for that particular program. Got it. But, um, yep. It's, it's just math. So that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, the other helpful math I put together that I always talk to buyers about is really understanding when you're looking at escalations and talking with escalations with agents, it's what does a going up 10,000 mean to my monthly payment? So like really just off the cuff math for every $10,000, the loan amount increases or decreases, it, it's a $50 difference in the monthly payment. Wow. You go up $50,000. In, in loan amount, it's about $250 per month to the payment. 100,000 is about $500 a month. So when buyers are kind of deciding immense, okay, where do I wanna put that escalation? How does that factor into my payment? It's really helpful to know what that 10,000 means so that they don't lose a house over $25 a month or $50 a month. Um, you know, that's just a really helpful tool I found. Puts it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And then, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of was the, the little highlights that I put together. And I just kind of added in some of my, um, just my links to my Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I, I do regular videos um, that talks about all these details. So, you know, people can check out, you know, my YouTube channel, Instagram. I also do reels, which are, are much shorter, 30 second bite size of, of subjects. Um, and those are really easy to share with people. And so I invite you to check out, you know, my social and yeah. Thank you, Grace. That was awesome. That was a really great, really great overview. And yeah, for um, those of you who don't or not connected with Crease uh, on social, definitely she's pumping out these videos and re like you said, reels that are super informational and um, you know you just get little tidbits of everything and then it's like, oh, okay. Um, tips, tricks, you had one on the crypto uh, currency, I think yesterday that I watched. Um, so definitely connect with her there. And I will be reposting this, of course, on um, all the various channels so people could go and, and revisit it uh, too, to kind of know where the state of the market is for fall um, or going into fall 2021. Um, but thank you, Chris. It's always a pleasure. I always learn so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much, Ashley. Truly my pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. You're great. So we'll um, post all your contact information too. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Yes, you as well. You as well. We'll look forward to being in touch soon. Yep. Thank you everyone for joining us today.